We hear testimonies often from uh, the followers of Christ in different uh, settings. We've all heard them, and uh, they often really bless us uh, at baptism services. In a couple of weeks, we're going to hear testimonies from uh, followers of Christ. Uh, at our men's breakfast every month, we hear a testimony from a follower of Christ. Um, I'm sure there were testimonies heard around a campfire at camp the last couple of weeks. Uh, there are many settings. Uh, even when we are interviewing people for membership, like the cars, we hear testimony. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, some words that are very common when you listen to people's testimonies are the words, I used to be. Someone will give their testimony and they'll say, before I knew Jesus, I used to be. And they'll talk about how now that they're in Christ, they're a new person. And they'll talk about how through salvation and God's work in their life, uh, they've been changed. And they'll use those words, I used to be. I want you to think about this because it goes along with what we're going to look at today. Think about this statement. It's written there on your study sheet. Every unbeliever that you and I know or meet is the potential used to be. Every unbeliever that you and I know or meet is a potential used to be. They are someone that could someday know Jesus Christ and give a testimony where they would talk about the fact that they used to be something. They used to be someone. They used to live a certain way. They used to think a certain way. But once they trusted Jesus, their life has been transformed. Every unbeliever that you know or meet is a potential used to be. Keep that in mind as we go into the message and proceed with it this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you that if any man or woman or child or youth be in Christ, they're a new creation. Father, thank you for that promise. Thank you for the many of us here who have experienced that truth. We just praise you for it and the testimony it gives us to share with others. Father, I pray that you will... Uh, Bless us with this next but God teaching and uh, that you would challenge us as well. Father, many of us need this. We need to be reminded of what we're going to see today. So open our hearts. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to the book of Acts. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10. We are doing a series this summer called But God. We're continuing uh, on from a series that we did last fall called But God. And by, uh, by popular request, we're, we're continuing that and adding some more But God statements and teachings that are presented in Scripture. So we're looking at seven of them uh, this summer. And today's But God teaching is taken from 
Acts chapter 10. When I say the name Lecrae, anybody know who I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Uh, Lecrae is a Christian hip-hop artist, not one of my favorite genres, but uh, God is using him. Uh, but in an interview, Lecrae mentioned that the engineer who helped him mix uh, one of his albums uh, is not a believer. Very skilled at what he does. Uh, Lecrae was very pleased with the work he did in helping with this album. But he wasn't a believer. Shortly after that interview, Lecrae got a number of emails And uh, one of the emails went something like this. You can't do that, Lecrae. You can't let an unbeliever mix your music. He's unclean. He's going to get sinner's germs all over that music. What do you think about that? You know what? There was a time... When the Apostle Peter would have agreed with that statement. He would have agreed with it. Because he felt the same way about Gentiles. People who were not Jewish. And so today our but God teaching is going to come from the experiences of the Apostle Peter. And uh, let me read where the but God statement is, and then we'll kind of go back and see how that came about. Um, well, let's start in Acts 10.27. <clears throat> While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Here it is. But God. Remember, the phrase, but God, changes everything. Peter says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So from this verse, and what we're going to talk about, here is our but God principle. Our sixth one. We have a tendency to judge people on the basis of who they are, where they come from, how they look, and what they have done. Then we conclude that some are undesirables unworthy of our love and compassion. But God lovingly sees these people as lost souls who can be reached and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our but God principle today. First of all, let's see how Peter learned this principle. 
We're not going to read everything here, but I'm going to give you what leads up to that statement that he made, that but God statement. In chapter 9, Peter has been out there uh, ministering, sharing the gospel. And God is using him. And then he ends up in Joppa, the city of Joppa, on the coast of the Mediterranean. We see that in the last verse of of chapter 9. But then in chapter 10, we're told that while Peter is in Joppa, over in Caesarea, just a ways north of there, there is a man named Cornelius. He's a Roman, Italian, Gentile. And uh, he has authority. He's a, a centurion. And he's a man who has an interest in the God of the Jewish people. And in the first part of chapter 10 there, we're told that God gives this Cornelius, a Gentile, a vision. And in the vision, he's told that this apostle Peter is at Joppa, and he should send some men to go there and get Peter and have him come to Caesarea. And so Cornelius sends these men to Joppa to get Peter. Verse 9, while they are traveling there. Verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey, the men from Cornelius, and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Now, Peter could understand the kill part. But he had trouble with the eat part. He says in verse 14, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. That would violate everything I believe. There are animals in this sheet that I'm not supposed to eat. They're unclean. They're impure. I will not do what you say. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And just so he would get the point... Verse 16 says this happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about this vision, what in the world is this all about? Why did God give me this vision? The men sent by Cornelius arrive. Isn't it interesting how God just puts everything together at just the right time? And so while he's trying to figure out this vision, what it means... These men come. In verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said, there's some men to see you downstairs. Go down. So he meets these men. Uh, They tell him where they're from. They're from Cornelius, this Roman centurion. And they're supposed to come and get him and bring him to Cornelius, this Roman centurion, a Gentile. And uh, Peter hosts them. And the next day, it says Peter started out with him, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. 
So Peter and some believers, fellow Jewish believers, go with these men to Caesarea, to Cornelius' place. And somewhere in there, Peter figures out the vision. It didn't have to do with animals at all. It didn't. It had to do with people. And when he gets to Cornelius' house, that's what he tells Cornelius. He relates what happened. And he shows that he got the meaning. He got the message that God was trying to get across to him. And that's our but God statement. He says again in verse 28, You're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. I shouldn't be here with you, Cornelius. I shouldn't be in your home. I shouldn't accept an invitation from you. I should not be your guest. But, he says, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone. See, Peter figured it out. It didn't have to do with animals. God has shown me that I should not call anyone, people, impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then Cornelius goes on to tell Peter what happened to him, this vision, you know, sent for Peter, etc. And then we come to verse 34. And Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize... How true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter says, through this vision, God showed me something. I have to stop calling people impure and unclean. And specifically, in this case, Gentiles, like Cornelius. Peter learned this but God principle through a vision. He also learned it when he preached the gospel to these Gentiles. Because after telling Cornelius, this is what God has shown me, he goes on to tell Cornelius and his family and friends gathered about Jesus. And if you read it, he he talks about Jesus. He talks about Jesus' death on the cross. He talks about Jesus' resurrection. And then he concludes in verse 43 by saying, Everyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So he presents the gospel. He, he had a vision about Gentiles, and he got the message from God. He preached about Jesus to these Gentiles, and then he got to watch. He got to observe. He got to see salvation come to Cornelius and the people who were gathered. They responded to the gospel message about Jesus. And they were saved. And it surprised the people that were with Peter. Verse 44, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. 
the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even, even on Gentiles. <clears throat> well, word gets back to Jerusalem, to the other apostles and Christians, that Peter's doing something up in Caesarea with Gentiles. He's gone to a Gentile person's home. And so Peter is called to Jerusalem to explain. And that's chapter 11. He's criticized. Verse 3, they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. How dare you? Eat with those people, those Gentiles, those unclean, impure people. And so Peter goes on and he tells the story. He tells the story about his vision, what God told him and what he learned from that. He tells the story of going to Cornelius' house and, and preaching the gospel. And then he tells them what happened. That these Gentiles responded to the gospel. And were saved and received the same Holy Spirit that they as Jews who believed in Jesus had received. And the way he explained it convinced the believers in Jerusalem. Verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Peter learned this but God principle. Let me read the principle again and see if you can put it together with Peter's experience. We have a tendency to judge people on the basis of who they are, where they come from, how they look, and what they've done. Then we conclude that some are undesirables, unworthy of our love and compassion. But God lovingly sees these people as lost souls who can be reached and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter learned that principle. He learned it. And it must have been a bombshell to him when he got it. It must have been a bombshell to those who went with him to Caesarea to see it happen. It must have been a bombshell to the apostles and believers in Jerusalem when they heard it. But Peter learned this important principle. <clears throat> Did you know Jesus practiced that same principle? Jesus practiced the same principle that Peter learned. You see, when Jesus was here in the Jewish culture, there were all kinds of undesirables. There were the Gentiles. Uh, the Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles. They were unclean. They were impure. You didn't invite them to your home. You didn't go if they invited you. You stayed away from the Gentiles. Because you might get Gentile unclean germs. Basically, you would be defiled. 
The Jews had written off the Gentile people. The Jews did not feel they were worthy of compassion, attention, love. But it wasn't just Gentiles. It wasn't just Gentiles. There were other undesirables in the Jewish culture. There were the tax collectors working for the Roman government. The Jews had a great distaste for those fellow Jews, a tax collector. Other undesirables were immoral people, adulterers, Anyone who was involved in sexual immorality, prostitutes, they were undesirables. Wanted nothing to do with them. Unclean. Unworthy of any of the privileges that the Jews had. Of any mercy. There were the lepers. Undesirables. You didn't even want to get near the lepers. And we could go on. There's a long list. I mean, the poor, the disabled. Uh, the list was long in the Jewish culture. They had many undesirables. People they had labeled as undesirable and unworthy of God and of any kind of compassion or love or, or kindness. But then Jesus comes along. And let's just look at one example, Luke 15. Jesus got into a lot of trouble because he practiced our but God principle that we're looking at today. The principle that Peter learned. Now, here's an interesting thing. Jesus practiced this principle. Peter was with Jesus for three years. And it wasn't until after Jesus had gone back to heaven that Peter learned the principle. Isn't that odd? He spent three years with Jesus, watching Jesus practice this principle that we're talking about. And he didn't get it. After Jesus left, Peter still had that attitude toward Gentiles. And he finally learned it and got it in this Cornelius experience that he had. Well, in Luke 15, the chapter starts out, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners, notice the tax collectors had their own category. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. How dare he eat with these unclean people? How dare he spend time with them? How dare he welcome them? And then, of course, as you know, he goes on to tell them three stories about something or someone that's lost. And all the rejoicing that goes on when that which is lost is found. And the point is, he's spending time with these people because they're lost. They're lost souls. 
and they can be reached. He's reaching out to them. They can be reached and they can be transformed through the good news. They can be changed. Jesus knew that. He practiced that principle. He didn't see them as unclean, impure, undesirables that you had nothing to do with. In fact, in chapter 19 of Luke, another example of Jesus practicing this was when he found uh, this tax collector, Zacchaeus. Remember the story. He ends up going to Zacchaeus' home. Again, eating with a tax collector. And they get upset. They get upset with him. Verse 7 of Luke 19. All the people saw this and began to mutter. A lot of muttering. And they said, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How dare he? Doesn't he realize who Zacchaeus is? And then... In verse 9, after Zacchaeus and his family had come to salvation, verse 9 says, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. And then verse 10, he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose. That's why he came. Because he knew that there were lost souls. And they could be reached. And they could be transformed by the good news, the gospel. Jesus knew that. And his purpose was to reach out to those people. And so we see Jesus practicing this but God principle that Peter eventually learned. So. Here's the question. Have you learned that principle? Or are you still practicing the first part of the principle? Let me read it again. And think about where you're at right now in this principle. The principle says we have a tendency to judge people on the basis of who they are, where they come from, how they look, what they've done. And then we conclude that some are undesirables, unworthy of our love and compassion. Stop there. Is that where you are? Does the first part of this principle describe you? principle goes on to say, but God... And Peter learned this, and Jesus practiced it. Lovingly sees these people as lost souls who can be reached and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that you? Is that you? See, there's undesirables around us as well, aren't there? People that we've written off for some reason. People who we think, and we would never use the word, are unclean. Unworthy of my love and compassion. They are so distasteful and they disgust me so much, I want nothing to do with them. 
Maybe it's not a Gentile thing for us, but it might be somebody of a different nationality, a different race. Uh, It might be those atheists who say there is no God. It might be people of other religions, like Muslims and Hindus and those people. Why would I want to even get near them? Maybe it's transgender people, LGBTQ. Who is it? There are undesirables that many Christians tend to write off, right? We are so disgusted and appalled by the lives they live. We want nothing to do with them. They aren't worthy. Does God love those people? I mean, that's a pretty simple question, isn't it? (laughs) Does God love those people that you and I might tend to label as undesirables? Does God love them? For God so loved the world. Of course he loves them. Can these people be saved and transformed? Important question. Do you really believe that those people you may have labeled as undesirable, unworthy, you've written them off, could be saved by the gospel of Christ and their lives changed? Do you believe that could happen? Do you believe that they could someday have a testimony where they call themselves used-to-be people, where they say, before I knew Jesus, I used to be. Could that happen? Do you really believe that? Do you see them as lost souls who can be reached and can be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and become used-to-be people? who have a testimony of what God's salvation can do, God's transforming power. Are you willing to give those people what they don't expect? What do those people that we tend to label as undesirable expect from us as Christians? They expect judgment. They expect condemnation. They expect to be avoided. They expect that we won't listen to them. They expect that if we see them, we'll walk the other way. That's what they expect. And they're ready for it. Right? They're ready for it. Would you, like Jesus, be willing to give them what they don't expect? Things like grace, mercy, a listening ear, unconditional love, service when you find out they have a need. That would be a bombshell to them. 
your prayers. And I just added this last question there on your sheet. Do you think you're someone these people would come to in times of spiritual crisis? We need to think about that. What if somebody, an individual, a group, whatever, that you have labeled as undesirable, want nothing to do with, unworthy, what if they came to a spiritual crisis in their life? You know, whatever it is that's happening. And they needed somebody to help them, to give them answers for the spiritual crisis. Would they think to go to you? Because of their history with you, their experience with you, your reputation concerning people like them? Would your name come to their mind as, I can go talk to him? He's a person that was willing to listen to me before. He didn't judge me. He didn't condemn me. He might have something I need. I'm going to talk to him. Would they come to you? Or would they say, I need to talk to somebody, but not him. Not her. Peter learned a very important principle. In his case, it was about Gentiles. They were the undesirable people in his life. And through a vision from God, through the time spent with Cornelius, seeing God change Cornelius' life, bring salvation to his family, Peter learned to look in this case, at Gentiles as lost souls who could be reached and transformed by the gospel of Jesus. Jesus practiced that principle. He did. Whether it was Gentiles, Roman authorities, lepers, sexually immoral people, tax collectors, Samaritans, No matter who it was, he saw them as lost souls. They were the reason he came. Because he knew they could be reached. And that God could transform them and change their lives. Jesus practiced that principle. In your desire to be Christ-like, are you willing to add that? Because you would say, I say it, it's a big desire in my life to be like Jesus. Are we willing to go this far and practice the principle that Peter learned and Jesus practiced and be like him in this area? So, um, let me ask you to do something. I'm going to uh, reread part of Acts 10:28, um, kind of paraphrase it a little bit. And there's going to be a couple blanks, 
And I want you to put in that blank who you would think of here. All right? You'll catch on. Okay? Statement goes like this. In the past, I have wanted nothing to do with blank. Who would you put in that blank? Who have you labeled undesirable, unworthy of your love and compassion? You've written them off. In the past, I have wanted nothing to do with you fill in the blank. But God has shown me not to call blank. Fill in that same person or those same people. But God has shown me not to call blank, unclean, undesirable, and someone I can write off. I challenge you to go back through this passage of Scripture in Acts 10 and 11. To go back through the the Scripture in Luke 15 and 19 and maybe add some others where Jesus practiced this principle. And perhaps sit down with your study sheet and just keep reading that principle. That but God principle. And think about it in the context of the person or persons that you would put in those blanks, in that statement. May we have the eyes of Jesus, okay? May we have the eyes of Jesus and how he looks at people. This principle doesn't say we agree with people. This principle doesn't say we condone what these people have chosen to do or believe. This principle doesn't say that. This principle says that we don't label them as undesirables. We don't write them off. But we see them as God sees them. Lost souls who can be reached who can be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me take you to one passage. I'm going to read it, and then Wendy's going to sing a song for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Starting in verse 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth in that church. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here it is. And that is 
what some of you were. They were used to bees. That list included what some of the Corinthian Christians were. See that? He says, that's what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Every unbeliever that you know or meet is a potential used to be. A lost soul who can be reached and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to this song before we close. Another day to die to myself, I repeat. 
Once again, the words of the Apostle Peter sharing what he had learned. You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Let's pray. Our Father, if you are moving in hearts this morning, if you are prompting someone to think through what their attitude has been towards certain people, if you are moving someone here, Lord, to take steps to change that attitude, to become more like Jesus and to see with the eyes of Jesus these people that they've written off. Father, if you do that work in someone's life this morning, if you do that work in someone's life this week as a result of what has been heard today, God, I pray that they will not refuse to take steps and to be more like Jesus and to see the lost, whoever they are, whatever they're doing, as people who need to be reached, whom you can change and save through the gospel of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.